I want to preface the reading of our text with a verse the Holy Spirit just directed me to out of the book of Hebrews. And you don't have to turn there. I just want to read it to you real quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, where the Bible said, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. If you think about the God of the Old Testament, he's the same as the God of the New Testament, but what I mean by that is he revealed himself to us in stages. He came first with the law so that we would know what his expectations were, and it was with much fear and trembling that God, God's people heard the voice of God from Mount Sinai. And that, in fact, it so terrified them that uh, as the ground shook when God spoke that they asked Moses to speak on behalf of God. But in these last days, he has given us of his spirit who speaks to us through the word of God and the spirit of God and the power of God. Because Jesus completed his work on Calvary, when God speaks today, he not only shakes earth, but he shakes heaven. And I'm preaching to you a earth-shaking, heaven-shaking God who is interested in changing your world for his glory and honor. Amen. So think about that now as we go to 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning in verse number 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. In other words, this is, this is the sickness that would eventually end his life. Uh, and Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him. This was before, obviously before he died. And wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. And uh, it was an interesting dynamic in the Old Testament Israel economy where they actually had some degree of respect for the prophets of God. And would to God that America would have some respect for God's real men today. Somebody say amen. amen. Would to God our government would pay some respect to those sounding the alarm spiritually for our country. But anyway, that's not my message. Verse 15, And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. This is a picture and a type of anointing him uh, for a task. In verse 17, And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha, then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Now he's speaking prophetically, using the arrow traveling a distance as a metaphor of what is fixing to transpire. Uh, he's saying the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. They were under Syrian oppression. He said, For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. Now watch your Bible, verses 18 and 19. And he said, Take the arrows, and he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice. And stayed, old English word meaning he quit. Verse 19, and the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times, then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. 
Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria, but thrice. And that's where I want to put my focus is verse 19 where he said, uh, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. And the subject of my message today is staying on target. Thank you. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Staying on target. We might reference as a way of illustrating this concept the scripture in the book of Hebrews where it says, Let us hold fast, therefore, the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Never forget that there is always a time test between the promise and the fulfillment. And if we are to see the fulfillment of many of God's promises that are conditional promises based upon our faith and obedience, then we're going to have to learn what it means to stay on target. The man of God in our passage used arrows as an illustration to the king of that day. And whenever he released those arrows out the window, often arrows being directed and released when they hit the target they symbolize victory they symbolize strength they symbolize a strong army if you will and just as he was obedient to the man of God and the word of God in his instructions to release that arrow he was basically and essentially telling the king just as he released that arrow just as sure as you hit the target uh, God, can de- uh, God will deliver the Assyrians into your hands. So, number one, I want you to notice uh, that in order to stay on target, uh, uh, you will be given insight. Uh, to stay on target, we need to stay on target when we're given insight from the Word of God. Verse 17, the last part, he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in effect till thou have consumed them. Now keep in mind that he's already told him that, that he could consume the Syrians. If you fast forward a couple of verses, he ends up telling him that based upon his response to the enlightenment of God's word, he's not going to actually consume them totally, but he's going to only... Uh, fight and win like three times essentially in other words you won't get total victory because you didn't receive the word that was given to you totally and entirely are you with me say amen and so we see here then that this was a prophecy that could have taken place in full effect had the king actually believed and received and obeyed it he was given insight from God's word as to what God's will was. Note that when divine insight is given to us from God's word, it reveals God's will for our lives. And many times uh, people read the word of God and discover what it is that God would have them to do and they discover all of the promises that God has laid out for those uh, who would walk in faith and obedience to Him and yet they fall way short 
of having received the promise, not uh, believing the Word of God through all the way to the end, not staying on target, if you will. And many today, I believe, are, uh, are living by the wayside of their Christian walk with God. They have, uh, maybe we'll use the word, they have backslidden, if you will. They have, uh, they have began their walk with God, but somewhere along the way, they got discouraged. They got faint. They got tired. They got hurt, and they lost focus, and they began to miss the target because somewhere along the way, they allowed the enemy of God's Word to rob the seed of insight from their heart and from their focus and from their mission in life. Are you there this morning? Are you in that place where you need to get back to where you used to be with God? In order for you to stay on target, Paul the Apostle said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now hear me, and hear me well. I'm not talking about finishing your salvation. That was finished 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. And the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're as good for heaven as if you were already there. But we're not talking about salvation this morning. We're talking about staying on target by living God's will out for your life. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not talking about a work salvation. It's talking about working out what God's already put inside of you. Fleshing out God's plan and purpose for your life. And many today have missed the target. Do you know what the Bible word is for missing the mark? Anybody in the building? The word sin is defined as missing the mark. And you can excuse it any way you want to. But when you miss the mark of God's will for your life, no matter what your excuse is, uh, you and I are living in blatant sin towards Almighty God. I'm afraid that today many of the reasons why we don't experience a real powerful anointing and move of God in our services that can break the chains of addiction, amen, that can set the captive free is because too many Christians are sold out to the world and sold out to their self instead of being sold out to the one who redeemed them by his blood, amen, you did run well, what has hindered you? Many today God would call back into his will. You've missed the mark, you've gotten off target, You've lost focus, and now there you are, out of God's will, miserable, trying to pretend to be happy, trying to convince yourself that your way is the way to go, and you and God and everybody else knows that you need to just get back on target. If you're with me, say amen. And so he was uh, using an arrow as an analogy. And uh, the Word of God came in that moment and gave the king... uh, insight as to what God's will was for the future of the nation of Israel. It was actually God's will to completely defeat the Syrian army. But because this king did not respond appropriately to God's insight, you might say the preaching of God's word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, things didn't turn out as they could have. And so you need to stay on target when you're given insight from God's Word. Never neglect 
to remember and embrace wholeheartedly when God speaks to you about a matter. When God reveals to you about something that you need to get right, something that you need to do, a verse that you need to believe and live out, uh, you need to pay attention to that insight because that is the beginning of the process of staying on target. You'll never hit a target that you don't know exists. So you need to find out what God's will is for your life. You say, preacher, how am I going to do that? It's simple. You read your Bible with hunger and thirst. Amen. The Bible says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. The preacher can't tell you what God's will is for your life. You've got to find it for yourself. But I can tell you there's a general will of God for every believer. And then there's a specific will of God for you individually. You need to, you need to get the general down. But you need to find out specifically what you can be doing for the glory of God. And I believe if every Christian were to find out the mark, the target that God has uh, set out for their life, uh, think of God as the archer, you as the arrow, and He's releasing you to hit a certain target. The question is, are you going to stay on target? It's not God's fault if you don't. God aims well. God aims right. God is always true. He's not a liar. Amen. And so you need to be able to receive the insight of God's Word. The Bible says the entrance of thy word giveth light. God help the church today of America and around the world that when we receive instruction and insight from God's Word that reveals the very will of God for our destination, for our direction, and for our existence that we not soon abandon the instructions that we find in the Word of God and create our own instructions but help us to go back to the manual because that's base number one if you're going to make it home. Can somebody say amen? When God gives insight, we need to stay on target. It's the revealed will of God for our lives. Not only that, in order to stay on target, uh, we need to pay attention to specific instructions. Look at 2 Kings 13, the last part of verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. Keep in mind, the prophet's already told the king what God's will is. Now he's going to give him specific instructions. He says, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. It's very odd. Uh, in fact, the Old Testament's full of odd happenings if you've read your bible you know what i'm talking about there's some uh what we would consider some strange things that happened in the old testament and in the new testament but they were all for a purpose all scripture is given by inspiration of god and it's profitable for reproof for uh, instruction and in righteousness amen for for correction uh, and we need to learn what it is that god wants us to know about this particular passage what was he saying to the king? It was a test. Think about it. He was given a prophetic word that the king should have been inspired by. That the king should have gotten excited about. That the king should have gotten enthusiastic about. But when the prophet told him to go pound the ground... It was a little weak, pansy, three little hits, and he was done. No passion, no zeal, no durability. It was a half-hearted 
step of obedience basically because he was told to do it, not because I'm convinced he believed the prophet's word. Because if he had believed what the prophet actually told him, that they were going to get victory over the Syrians, he would have been so excited that he'd have been out there and he would have not stopped pounding until the prophet said, you've hit it enough. Can you see that? And so many today come to church today, they hear about a Savior that bled and died for their sins. They hear about a Savior that poured out heaven's best for earth's worst. They hear about Jesus uh, who's given a name that's above every name and given all power in heaven and earth, uh, but devoted all of those resources and all that power into you as his prized possession, and yet we come to church and we can't even be inspired enough to go out and tell somebody else about him. Uninspired. Unmoved. The preacher asks you to do something, you'll do it, you'll do it half-heartedly if that, and you certainly won't do it with any longevity. You'll do it just long enough to get out of the limelight, so hopefully somebody else will do it. You don't have to next time. Can I get an amen? Are we real this morning? Oh, God help us this morning to get this concept that whenever we're to stay on target, we are not only to receive the insight of God's Word, what God's revealed will is for our life, but we are to receive the instructions of God's Word, which is God's revealed way for us to do it. God's not just going to give you uh, uh, passive thoughts. He's going to give you aggressive action. He's not just speaking to you so that you'll say, that's a cute sermon. He's going to speak to you so that you can go and say, what in the world am I going to do with this? God, help me to not miss my opportunity to put this into shoe leather and to practice in my life. How many Christians today go to church week after week, year after year, decade after decade, unmoved, untouched, their patterns never change, their routines never change, their religious habits never change, the only religious experience they have with God is in the four walls of the church, outside of the church it's like God don't even exist in their life, but God didn't come just for you to have a cute little sermonette, God came to mobilize you as a mighty army for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, are you going to be a ground pounding Christian this morning or are you going to be a pansy that just wastes a little bit of all about everybody's time just long enough to get out of the way oh God help us this morning to receive the instruction of God's word and to take it with zeal and with passion mm, when God gives insight it comes with instructions but the third point I want to focus on now is when instruction and insight come, we should also be inspired. I've already touched on it a little bit. He said, it, said he smote it thrice and stayed. He stopped. He just quit. And God's not looking for quitters. God's looking for people. Amen. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Jesus at one point, the closer he got to the cross in his earthly ministry, the fewer the followers. Somebody say amen. The Bible said in uh, John chapter 6, verse 66, that many of his disciples went away and never returned. And then Jesus turned around looked at his 12 and said, Are you going to leave too? Because it's easy to follow Jesus when everybody else is following Jesus. 
It's, it's easy to show up for church when there's a full house and it looks like that's the popular thing to do. Amen. It's a little bit more discouraging when you feel like you're going it alone. It's a little bit harder to stay committed when there's just a faithful few and it's not that impressive in attendance. It's not that impressive a love offering. It's not that impressive a ministry. And we compare ourselves one with another and the Bible says we're not wise when we do that. Because the strength of a congregation is not in the size of attendance but it's in the size of your faith. Can I get an Amen. And little as much when God is in it. And a little church like this can reach more for Jesus than a church that has 5,000 in attendance. If we will make, avail ourselves in prayer and become ground-pounding Christians that, that stays on target and don't quit. Strengthen the things that remain, Washington Heights Baptist Church. We're going to have our ups and downs. That's never going to change. The attendance Sundays are going to be high. A lot more days are going to be low, and it's going to get discouraging. We wonder week after week, where are they? And some are sick, and we know that. Some are working, we know that. Uh, but there are some uh, that should be here, Elijah. They're just not here. I just can't help but wonder if uh, they got a dose of religion, but they never got a relationship with Jesus. I'm not their judge. I can't say for sure, but it sure does make one wonder, doesn't it? I also wonder if maybe uh, they got hurt and uh, the church didn't do a good job making reconciliation and restoring a brother back to full spiritual health uh, because the Bible says if a brother be overtaken in a fault that we which are spiritual are to restore such a one, not rag him out. Not talk about them, say, well, they got what was coming to them. After all, they're going to reap what they sow. They got what they deserve. Just let them, let them leave. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, we'll say. And what a rotten attitude for a Christian that's supposed to restore a brother in Christ. Amen. I'm talking about staying on target. If we're going to build this church, or let me rephrase it. If God's going to build this church through us, then we're going to have to stay on God's mission. We're going to have to stay on target. We're going to have to receive the insight from God's Word, receive the specific instructions that we find in that insight, and then allow that Word to inspire us to be motivated to do something for God. Verse 19 said, The man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Wait a minute, I thought that the man of God already said it was going to be done. And I think this is another problem that we have. We're so spiritually minded, we're no practically good. Well, if God don't do it, it won't get done. Have it ever occurred to you that you're the hands and feet of Jesus, and if God don't do it, it's because you didn't do it when he told you to? Well, I believe God's going to do it all. No, he ain't. He chose to use you, the human vessel. And if somebody don't hear about Jesus, it's not God's fault, it's yours and my fault. Because we didn't go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. To go tell, love people to Jesus, go tell them about Jesus, get them to the house of God, whatever, whatever we got to do to get them under the word. Amen. This is spiritual boot camp. Amen. This is, this is healthy for us. If you're feeling convicted, the word's working like it needs to. Amen. 
I'm not mad at anybody. That word's like a fire. It'll burn out all the dross in your life. It'll, it'll attack that mediocrity, that half-hearted, half-effort stuff. Amen. You know what you're going to get with half-effort? You're going to get half-results. Everybody wants a full church, but nobody wants to knock on doors and invite people. Can I say that one more time? Everybody wants a full church, but nobody wants to invite anybody. Well, I invite them all the time. They don't never come. So you're going to hit three times and quit, huh? I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to make a point that I see in the passage. God help us not to be quitters. God help us to press on. And I know it's not in the energy of the flesh. I know it's not in religious mechanics because we could get so religiously mechanical that the Spirit of God's far removed because then we become Pharisees in our mechanics and we think that we're doing more than everybody else. God forbid that that ever happened, but there should be a, a balanced strike between the receiving of the God's Word and the inspiration to go forward. There should be divine inspiration and the divine inspiration reveals God's wind. The wind of God should be alone enough to motivate anybody to serve the Lord. You know, the wind is symbolic of the Spirit of God. I've learned I can give people insight from God's Word. Brother Bunny, I can give people instruction from God's Word. But there's one thing I can't give him. I cannot give him inspiration. I can't give you that. There's something in the heart of man that has to yield to the voice of God in order to receive the wind of God for their soul to move them forward. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. This is the fourth church that I've been pastor of, and I'm privileged to be here as pastor, and I thank God for it. But I've seen a pattern... That's, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. But I've seen a pattern. I've seen a pattern. People, generally speaking, expect that when we get the right pastor and we get the right music, the church will start to grow and everybody will be happy. Not realizing that God's going to require something of all of us. My talent's not good enough to draw a crowd because I ruin it with my toughness. <laughs> Amen. I might could deliver a good sermon according to some of what you tell me, but sometimes it's salty and people, they, they, may not, they may like my style, but they don't like my message sometimes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's, it's going to take more than talent. It's going to take more than the right preacher. It's going to take more than the right music and the right music ministry. It's going to take more than just a little bit of excitement in the air. It's going to take some ground-pounding Christians that wants to shake heaven and earth with their vigor for Christ. That'll say, you know what, I want God to use me. i tell you where you start. You start with your family. And if you don't have a good testimony with them, get it right. Then you can start with your family. Make that apology that's necessary so they know you're not being hypocritical anymore and dishonest. Amen. So you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. I want to do right. I can't promise I'll be perfect, but I promise you I'm trying, and I want to love you. I want to tell you about Jesus. Start with your family. Start with your neighbor. Start with that person 
you know, where does God want to move? He wants to move wherever you're at. It's very practical. It's not rocket science. And I don't have anything against going to the mission field, if that's what God calls you to do. But I think sometimes we're guilty of spending years to get to a foreign field when we could have been winning thousands on the field that we're at. Nothing wrong with foreign missions. We should do that. We should support that. But I'll tell you this, if you're not winning your street, you shouldn't be over there in Ghana trying to win them or somewhere else. Amen. Prove your faithfulness. Right? I'm just saying, hey, church, we got some work to do. And we got to have some inspiration from the Holy Spirit to keep us moving. Otherwise, we'll soon forget the instruction. We'll soon forget the insight. We'll soon forget the revealed will and way of God to get it done because we will lose our inspiration and we'll end up hitting the ground three times and stopping and that's the end of it. And then we wonder why we get half-hearted results. Divine inspiration comes from the wind of God. Mm. And as a result, in conclusion, the last part of verse 19, it said, Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Don't know exactly what that means, but I do know this much. The job didn't get complete. Unfinished business. I wonder on Judgment Day at the Judgment Seat of Christ how much unfinished kingdom business we're going to have to give an account for. It's going to be sad, isn't it? I'm preaching to myself, too. Don't think I'll come in here on a high horse preaching Gary Caudle standards. No, no, no. Lord, help. I want to crawl up under a rug right now and hide. But we got to do better, don't we? If we're hungry for it, we need to go after it. Amen. How many of you hungry? That's not a trick question. Amen. Spiritually hungry? How many of you physically hungry? So much. Amen. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Because you're physically hungry, what are you motivated to do after we dismiss? Go get something to eat. You know what Jesus told his disciples while they was off going to get lunch? He was over winning the woman at the well to Christ. And they come back with food, and Jesus then lost his earthly appetite because his heavenly appetite was bigger. And uh, by the time they got back, Jesus was the one who sent them for food. They come back, and Jesus like, my meat is to do the will of the Father that sent me. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. <laughs> Amen. And some people don't understand a preacher that will preach 45 minutes past 12. Ain't that preacher hungry? But I got an appetite bigger than my earthly appetite. And my appetite is to do the will of the Father. Amen. And most importantly, to inspire you to do the same. And that's more important, isn't it? Hey, man, I got a couple of amens off of that. <laughs> hey, that appetite is the motivator. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. They that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Listen, the, the feeling is for the hungry. And I'm convinced that many churches today are not motivated to do the will of God because they're too satisfied with where they're at. There's no hunger. There's no motivation. There's no drive. One more illustration. I'll close it down. You know why I'm motivated to build a business while I'm pastoring a church over here in Georgia? 
because I'm hungry. Because I, I need the supplement income. It's, it's birthed out of need. It's not a rebuke. It's, it's, we knew this was coming. This was a part of the assignment. It's a kingdom task. I'm not complaining about it. My point is just simply this. A, a lot of things are birthed of necessity. And the reason a lot of churches today are not doing what they should be doing is because they're so satisfied they don't even see the need for it. But what I see spiritually, it seems like the church... Lord, help me to say this right. It seems like the church is laying there on life support. But we don't even know what state we're in. We're so satisfied in our slumber and in our comfort. We're, we, we are uh, medicated with religion and rut and routine to the degree that we're sedated and in a spiritual coma, don't even realize how close to death's door that church is. And what God wants to do is pull the plug. What is that? That morphine. Take that morphine out of your vein. Wake you up. If it hurts a little, so be it. If it grabs your attention, sobers you up, helps you realize what the reality is, so be it. You fixing to die if you don't seek God and get hungry for a move of God. And the church in America is on life support because she's fed herself the junk food of this world and the junk food of men raid religion. And they think they're healthy, but they're fixing to die of a spiritual heart attack. And we need to get back to hungering and thirsting after that manna from heaven. Uh, that's that pure bread that has no leaven in it, that has no uh, additives or preservatives to make it fluff up and look prettier or taste better. Amen. Uh, God, just give us that pure, unleavened bread uh, so that we can be spiritually healthy again so that we can be hungry again so that we can be alive again and see God do a work and revive his work in the midst of the year but we've got to get sick of the morphine sick of the sedatives sick of the spiritual junk food that's put us in the shape we're in and get hungry and desperate enough to let God do a new thing in our midst and if we're not willing to let the Holy Spirit point it out and draw us out of it then we'll just be half-hearted about anything we're challenged about and we'll die a slow and miserable death as a church. God forbid that happen. And the challenge is for all of us today to say, Lord, what's my part in this? I want to be a part of the church living on and doing for God. I don't want to be a, a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. And the wonderful news is God's already revealed his will. He wants to do a great thing. So we already know that God wills to do a good thing. That's half the battle right there, just knowing God wants to use us. Amen. That's awesome right there. I get excited just to think God might even use somebody like me. I still get excited about it. Can't believe it. Sometimes I've had to pinch myself to see if it's even real. Can't believe I have the privilege of preaching to y'all two or three times a week. Amen. Just to get up here and to be used of God, I am like a kid in a candy shop. I just love it every minute of it. I don't love all the in-between. Sometimes it comes with battles, but I love uh, being in the process of being used of God. Uh, I'm human just like anybody else. I get tired. I bleed. I mess up. Yes, I even sin and had to confess it and forsake it. Sometimes I had to repent with brothers and sisters that I got a little sharp with or maybe had a misunderstanding with but God help us all to stay on the target get refocused amen don't forget what God said that, that we're here to do 
God already gave us the instruction. God already gave us the insight. It's up to us to be inspired. And that's something I can't do for you. But if you're like me, when I was young, I would meditate on that day that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And, and I wasn't even sure if I was hungry or not. I was like, Lord, I, I, if, if there's something for the hungry, help me to be hungry. Have you, have you ever been sick and didn't have an appetite? Let me see your hand. A lot of times, not only do we not have an appetite because we're already filled, but another reason we don't have an appetite is because we're sick. We need to pray, God, help us restore our appetite. I can ask somebody to do something, and if God's not in it, they'll do it just long enough to scratch my itch. Just long enough to get out of sight. And then they'll avoid me. Amen. But you show me a Christian that's on fire for God, that loves the Lord, that takes the Bible seriously, they'll be putting me to shame. They'll be running circles around me, making me wonder why I ain't as on fire as they are. You can't stop somebody that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. You can't stop them. This man right here, love him to death. Just in a short while I've known him, listening to him talk, I've learned that he's got a passion for Jesus and a passion for sinners. Brother Bunyan, I pray that one day I'll have the heart for sinners that you've got. Oh, I sure don't feel like it. I salute you and I commend you. But this is an example. Thank God for him. There's others in here. I know it, we're not all, you know, we're not all off target this morning. I know that. But listen, I think sometimes if you're not careful, you'll get just slightly off target where you don't hit dead center. We want to hit dead center, don't we? But some of us, that, the arrow's falling way short. God, we're going to have to let the Holy Ghost pick that arrow back up off the ground and shoot it again. Amen. I'll give you a second chance. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm, I'm through preaching this morning. I'm talking about staying on target. Letting the Holy Ghost inspire us. I don't know what he'd inspire you to do. I really don't. I mean, I can tell you some things that are basics. I know he's going to want us all to be a witness for Jesus. But how he goes about that in your life, through your gifts, through your opportunities, through your connections, that's between you and God. I can tell you this, you're going to reach people that I can never reach. I'm going to try to do my part. I'm going to ask you to do your part. And collectively as a church, if we'll all do our part, we can, we can see God do a, a new work, a new thing, and we can see more saved and more baptized, more join the church, amen, and more discipled and going out and doing the same thing over and over again. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the lovely name of Jesus. I thank you for this word, this challenge that you've given us. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I want to be all in. Lord, I know sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it costs. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's convicting and challenging. Oh, but God, would you upset us? Would you shake not only earth, but the heavens as well? Shake everything in our lives. Shake it out. If it don't look like Jesus, shake it out. If it don't look like Jesus, burn it out. If our spirit is foul, renew within us a right spirit, O oh God. Clean heart. Help us to be God chasers.
not money chasers and men chasers and pleasure chasers. Help us to be God chasers this morning. It's more than just church. It's the God of the church. It's more than just a song. It's about the one we're singing about. Stir us, oh God. Reinvigorate us. Inspire us. May the wind of God catch our sail and move us forward in the right direction. Oh God, breathe upon this old uh, dying corpse of a church in America and breathe into us the breath of life once again. May the Spirit of God move like never before and mobilize a mighty army for the cause of Christ before Christ returns. God, I don't want to see, I don't want to be guilty of one more person going to hell because I didn't do my part. I know that's a heavy weight to bear. But Lord, you said that your commandments are not grievous. That you'd help us to fulfill our mission if we would be instructed. If we would allow the light of God's word to give light. We allow the Spirit of God to inspire us. Help us not to be uninspirable. Help us not to be unmovable so far as the moving of the Spirit is concerned. But help us, oh God, to have a taste of heaven on earth as we yield in obedience and faith to the word and works and will and ways of God in our lives. That we, the church, can be the body, the hands, the feet, of Christ bring hope to a hopeless world restore unto us the joy of our salvation God strengthen those things which remain that are about to die so that we'll not go down but we'll go up Lord I believe a going church is a growing church help us to go Father so that we'll grow forgive us for our apathy 